We're going to be talking today from the story in Ezekiel 37. I want to talk to you about how God takes impossible situations and he makes them possible. God takes impossible situations and he makes them possible. He knows how to take seemingly hopeless situations and breathe hope on them again. Ezekiel 37 verse 1 is a, is a story about a vision from God. This whole month, we've been talking about getting a vision from God, being able to see with prophetic eyes into what God's going to do. And by the way, prophecy is just seeing with God's eyes the potential of what the future holds. So uh, anyone who goes, you know, what is prophecy? That sounds kind of sketch, kind of scary. No, it's, it's being able to see with eyes of faith what God sees in the future. So God takes this man. Let's go to Ezekiel 37, verse 1. The Lord took hold of me. This is the prophet Ezekiel. And I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with dry bones. This is a picture of hopelessness. This is a picture of dry, dead defeat. Sometimes God has to take you to a valley just to deposit a vision of faith inside of you. God had to pull Ezekiel out of the current state he was in, put him in a valley. If you've been placed in a valley right now, I'm telling you, God may just be putting a vision inside of you to get out of the valley. He may have to bring you through the valley just to show you the potential of your future, just to show you the potential of what lies in front of you. And so God takes Ezekiel to a hopeless place and he shows him a valley of dry bones. This represents the nation of Israel. Israel at one time was a big, massive army. They were awesome. They were the it factor. They were the group of people that nobody wanted to mess with. When Israel came out of Egypt and they were with Joshua, they took down Jericho. They took down Ai. They conquered the land. When they had Gideon and then Samson and then King David, I mean, they were unstoppable. But somewhere along the line of becoming really big, they lost focus of what made them strong. They got their eyes off of God and got their eyes on themselves. And so the consequences of their sin and their idolatry left them in a valley of dry bones. God was showing Ezekiel a hopeless situation. I wonder what you see right now in your life. I wonder what in your life has tried to stare you down to say, this is hopeless. There's no hope for this thing to change. There's no hope that this child is going to come back to the Lord. There's no hope that your marriage is going to be happy again. There's no hope for the nation that you live in. I wonder what the enemy has been trying to tell you about the current state of your life. What do you see when you're in the valley? What do others see when they look at you? See, many people only see the you that they can see right now, but God sees the you that he's called you to be. God doesn't just see the current you. He sees the potential you. God doesn't just see the current condition of your life. God sees where he's taking you. Turn to the person next to you and say, you ain't seen nothing yet. We need to get confident that we're not staying comfortable in the current condition that we're in. We need to get confident that God's taken me out of the valley. Yeah, I might look scattered and shattered right now, but this is not my final scene. I'm not staying like a dry, dead valley. God's getting ready to change things up. He's got something up his sleeve. I don't know what it is, but I know I won't stay here forever. You ain't seen nothing yet. When I was at ORU, I was part of a group called the Maybe Maniacs, and this was a group of fanatic 
fans that would show up to basketball games in the maybe center. And they called us the maybe maniacs because we were maniacs <laughs> and we would paint our faces, paint our bellies. We would scream the whole time at the game. Yeah, that was me. In case you ever went to one of those games and you saw one of those people, it was probably me. I was cheering on the team. I was stirring them up and I was convinced that I was helping control the outcome of the basketball game. My cheering was stirring up the team to win and to shoot the basket and, to, and for the other team to miss the free throw as long as I was cheering. But see, you know, the cool thing was the basketball team came to our meetings, to uh, the, the group, the fans that I was with, and they would come and say, hey, listen, you guys are making a difference because out there in the arena, sometimes it just feels dry. Sometimes we don't hear anybody cheering for us. So to know there's a group over there that's stirring us up, thank you for doing that. Then they got to us and they said, we are about to face one of the toughest teams we've ever faced this season. We really need some good cheers and chants from the Maybe Maniacs. And so we were like, okay, we can do this. We got this. We're going to have to practice a little bit, but we can do it. We can win, right? <laughs> we took our jobs very seriously. So me and my brother and a couple of the guys that were part of the fan club, there was about 100 of us, we, but a couple of us got together. John had this idea. He said, I got it. I got it. I got it. I'm going to ask us the question, is it in you? And you guys are going to respond, Oh, yeah, it's in my bones. And we were like, yeah, I like where you're going with that. Ezekiel 37, I see what you're saying right there. The bones are coming back. There's power. There's potential in our bones. So he would ask the question, is it in you? And we would say, oh, yeah, it's in my bones. Is it in you? Oh, yeah, it's in my bones. Is it in you? 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 Come on, somebody. And we would get crunked. We would get hyped. We would get wild. And our team went out and they won the basketball game. I was convinced it was because of our chant. Oh, yeah, it's in my bones. So the title of this sermon today is It's in My Bones. Turn to someone next to you say, It's in my bones. Can I tell you today, you have victory in your bones. You have resurrection life in your bones. You have royal blood in your bones. You've got the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, living inside your dry bones. So no matter how hopeless or dry a situation looks, you need to remember what's in your bones. So verse two, it says that I looked across the valley floor and scattered everywhere bones that were completely dried up. And God asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? That's the question I have for you today. Can these bones live again? Can your situation turn around? Can America be revived again? Can your child come back to the Lord? Can your marriage be happy again? Can there be restoration between you and that family member that feels so tension between? There's a strain. Can your business and your finances be revived again? See, you have to start seeing supernaturally that God's not finished with you yet. God was taking Ezekiel to a hopeless place, but he was showing Ezekiel, I'm not leaving Israel like this. This is not the final scene for Israel. 
And this is not the final scene for the people of God. This is not just a, a textual verse for Israel. This is a verse for you today. He is not going to leave you in a scattered state. And you need to know that today. You need to walk out of here today going, God's not leaving me scattered and shattered. He's pulling me back together. He's working all things together for my good, for those who love him. What was meant for harm is going to turn out for my good. He's taking my detours that I shouldn't have gone down and he's creating an on-ramp back to the place that he's called me to be on. Your sin is not your final scene. You're about to get forgiven and back on the right path again. Shake off that shame and get out of that sin. God was saying, Ezekiel, can these bones live again? And Ezekiel, I love his honesty. Because he doesn't necessarily say, yes, Lord, they absolutely can. I can see it. No, no, no. See, I wonder if Ezekiel had almost personally lost hope in Israel. Because he doesn't answer that they can or they can't. In fact, he, he leaves the outcome up to God. Which, that's enough faith for God. That's enough faith for God. Aren't you glad that even just a little bit of faith is enough faith for God? Even just a little bit, even when you feel so discouraged about the current state of how things look in your life or in our nation or in your child or in your business, that just a little bit of God, you're the only one. This is what he says. Look at it again. 37 verse three. He says, oh Lord, you are the only one who knows the answer to that. You're the only one who knows. Ezekiel was saying, God, I don't know. Have you ever gotten to a place where you just don't know whether things can turn around? I remember talking to a couple who had had five miscarriages and they dreamed of having children. But after the fifth miscarriage, they were so disheartened by it. They looked and they said, maybe, maybe it's not God's will for us to have kids. And I said, no, 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 no. Things might look scattered and shattered right now. But if God put a dream in your heart, Let's touch and agree. There's power in agreement. Let's touch and agree that God can make it happen. That couple today now has children because they didn't let go. Sometimes all you need is just a little bit of Ezekiel 37. Just let God spray a little bit of Ezekiel 37 on your marriage. Let him rub a little bit of Ezekiel 37 on your business. Begin to speak life. Can these bones live again? I remember talking to another person who was single and they were 39 years old and they said, I feel like I've missed my opportunities. I mean, I've never been engaged to someone. I've never gotten into a serious relationship. I've stayed pure. Maybe it's God's will that this dream doesn't come to pass of getting married. But that person decided not to settle in the maybe of doubt. Instead, they held on to the vision of hope. Today, that girl is married. She's in ministry. Her and her husband are doing great things. She ended up getting married when she was 40, but God has used her, her marriage to bring hope to so many other people. See, don't settle in the land of doubt. Don't settle in the valley of dry bones. You are coming out of it. You are getting out of it. No matter how hopeless things look, God knows the answer, and his answer is yes, these bones will live again. These bones will rise up again. I remember getting a car two years ago because my car at the time had so many problems. And so my father-in-law said, Paul, let's sell your car. Let's trade it in. Let's buy another car and let's get you a car that works good. And so we started looking. He found this car that had been flood damaged, had a salvage title and was totally dead. He said, that's going to be your car. And I was like, 
I was like, I kind of feel like I'm downgrading here. <laughs> this doesn't feel like a promotion. <laughs> he said, don't worry, I got tricks up my sleeve. I'm gonna make that car twice its value of what we're gonna pay for it. I said, okay, I trust you. So he took that dead car, he sold my car, and was able to buy the dead car for the same price. And the flood damage was bad, but it hadn't touched the engine. In fact, it had only touched the computer part of the car. It was a keyless uh, starter car. And so he said, Paul, I've got to rewire and, and fix the car from the very inside computing program. And I have to replace the, the computer system that's been dead and dried up because of the flood. And I'm going to put in something new. I'm going to put in the right program to make this thing come to life. Sure enough, it took a little bit of time, but that car is like new. That car is twice the value of what we paid for it. And it doesn't even smell like it's been through a flood. Doesn't even feel like, see, when God takes you out of the valley, you don't even smell like you were in the valley. When God brings you out of the mess you've been in, you don't even smell like the old alcohol you used to drink. You don't even feel like the old drug addict you used to be. You don't even feel like the old adulterer used to be. See, God's about to reprogram you and take you into a new life and bring you into the new season he has for you. You will not stay in those dead, dry bones anymore. But he had to reprogram it. I think oftentimes what causes us not to be able to see the vision is that our program is still in the old system. We still have fear. We still have doubt. We've got to fix our stinking thinking so we can start walking and living in the life that God's called us to live. See, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if you think small, you live small. If you think dead, you live dead. The funny thing was my car was brain dead. Brain dead. We had to put a new brain in it. We had to fix the brain. We had to replace the old brain. God says, when you accept Christ, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things pass away. Behold, all things are new. But in this new model, you've got to start training your mind to think right so you can live right. Philippians 4.8 says, fix your thoughts on things that are pure. Everybody say, fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on things that are pure, that are true, that are noble, that are praiseworthy. In other words, if it's not positive, stop thinking about it. If it's negative about you, about your health, about your spouse, about your future as a single, if it's negative, don't let it stick. Fix your thoughts on what is true. You know what the truth is? The truth is the devil is a liar. <laughs> The truth is, you are more than a conqueror. The truth is, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. The truth is, greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world. The truth is, I don't have a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. The truth is, I have the mind of Christ. The truth is, I'm a child of God. The truth is, he who started this work in me will be faithful to complete it. Reprogram your mind. This is a series about seeing what God sees. See, when God looks at a valley full of dry bones, he doesn't see what Ezekiel sees. Ezekiel sees dry bones, but God sees an army. You might look at your situation and just see a rebellious child, but God sees a mighty warrior. You might see a hopeless business, but God sees a kingdom advancing business. God sees greater things in your future. God's got a greater dream for your life than you do. You've got to grab hold of his dream. What stops us from seeing what God sees? I think there's four things I want to point out to you today real quick. One of them is sin. What caused Israel to, call, uh, to fall into darkness and in, into a blinded state was sin. They simply stopped obeying God. They got pulled into all kinds of different sins. 
and today I won't get into the, the details of their sin, but their sin blinded them from seeing with eyes of faith who God had called them to be. This is what sin does. It blinds you. But here's the way to get out of it. When you call on the name of the Lord, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16 uh, says this, that the veil is taken away when you call on the name. In other words, the blinders fall off. The scales fall off your eyes. Like Paul, when he was uh, Saul and he got knocked off his horse and then God changed the course of his life, the scales fell off. Call on the name of the Lord. Number two, religion. I think religion oftentimes blinds us to see what God can do. Jesus called the religious people of his day blind guides. Blind guides. He said, you are so blinded by your rules and your traditions and your rituals that you've lost the passion and the childlike faith to believe that Jesus can do something today. You won't let a miracle happen on the Sabbath simply because it's the Sabbath. Jesus was so turned off by the religious people. He said, listen, you are blinded by religion. Isn't it crazy that religion can blind you? God doesn't want you to get caught in religion. He wants you to get caught in a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is not just a checklist type of situation. This is a vibrant relationship on a daily basis. Third thing is doubt. Mark chapter six, verse five says, Jesus could do very few miracles in his hometown because of their unbelief. Their doubt blinded their vision to see what God can do. God was looking for a man like Ezekiel who could see beyond the current condition, to see beyond what doubt tries to tell you to do. There's two voices in your life, fear or faith. Fear is that, that, that uh, doubt that tries to come in and say, God can't do it. This miracle can't happen. This is as far as you go. You've reached your limits. There's no more potential in front of you. Things aren't gonna turn around. Your ministry will never happen. You'll never write a book. You'll never do anything that, that God's putting you. Your dreams, are, you won't get married. You'll never find the right person. Might as well settle in the valley. But God's looking for someone who's gonna override doubt. Take the limits off what God can do. That's what Ezekiel did. Ezekiel took the limits off. He said, God, only you know. In other words, God, you can do anything you wanna do. I'm trusting in you. I wonder why miracles happen so often when I go to other nations, right? Like in another nation, in one night, we can be out on a field and over a hundred miracles happen. But then you come back to the United States and miracles don't happen as rapidly as they happen in other places. Here's why. Miracles are attracted to an environment of faith. Miracles are attracted to an atmosphere of faith. This is why Jesus had to kick the doubters out of the house when he raised the girl back to life. There were people crying, saying, she's dead, it's over, we're not gonna, we're not gonna see anything change. Jesus said, I love you, but there's the door. <laughs> Who in your life is trying to persuade you away from believing that God can do a miracle? Who do you need to say, I love you, but there's the door. I'm gonna surround myself with faith. I'm breaking, I'm, I'm showing doubt the door. I'm showing doubt the door. I'm getting doubt out so I can stand in faith. When the doubters left, the miracle happened. Here's the fourth thing. Despair. Despair tries to blind your vision. Discouragement. Delays. Has anyone in this room had a delay on a harvest that you've been waiting for? Anyone still waiting on a harvest on seeds you've planted? Yeah, almost everyone in the room. And what happens is the devil tries to convince you because it's a delay, it's a denial. But I've heard, I'm here to announce to you today, your delay is not a denial. 
God still has your seed. Your harvest is on the way. He still remembers what you've sown. He still remembers what you did. He still remembers you've forgiven that person, and he's got a harvest on the way. Don't get blinded by despair. David said this in Psalm 43, verse 5, why are you downcast? In other words, instead of throwing a pity party, he threw a praise party. Instead of feeling sorry for himself, he started encouraging himself in the Lord. Why is my heart so sad? I will lift up my eyes to my put my hope in the Lord. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God, some of us in this room, we need to shake off the pity party and we need to have a praise party. You need to have a, why don't we take 10 seconds right now to just praise the Lord. Give him praise right where you're at. Thank you, Jesus. Verse four, then God said to me, speak to the bones. It's not enough to just see it. You've got to speak it. Yes, it's good to see the vision, but you've got to speak the vision out. Speak to the bones. Speak over your future. Chart the course of where your life is headed. Don't let the devil determine where you're going to go. Don't let the circumstances determine where your life is going to go. Don't let the valley be the voice for you. Go ahead and just get loud in the valley. See, here's what the valley tries to do to Christians. The valley tries to intimidate you to be silent. I got a word for all the quiet people in the room. Get loud in the valley. Get loud in the valley. Don't let the valley determine what, what's going to happen. Go ahead and just use your voice to say, I see bones coming back together again. I see the muscles and the tissues coming back on. I see the fingers coming back together. I see the feet. I see the backbone coming back in our nation. I see life being lifted up in America. I see change coming in our church. I see change coming in my business. I see potential over my children. I see potential over my marriage. I see healing happening in my body. Health being restored in Jesus' name. Cancer, you gotta go. You're not the voice in this life. You're not the voice that's gonna rule my life in in Jesus' name, God said, speak to the bones. Dry bones, listen up to the word of God. I love how God is saying, listen up to my words. Look, he says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I'm about to breathe life into you and make you live again. I will put flesh and muscles on you. I'm going to cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come back to life and you will know that I am the Lord. God was saying, speak to the dead dry bones. See, if you don't speak to your mountains, your mountains will speak to you. If you don't speak to the bones in the valley, the valley's going to speak to you. You've got to take control of the atmosphere. God was saying, Ezekiel, I brought you here to take control of the atmosphere. Take control of where our nation is headed. Every vision needs a voice. God brought Ezekiel there to be a voice into Israel. This is not your final scene. God's using a voice today to speak into your life. This is not your final scene. No matter how good it is or how bad it is, God has even greater things in front of you. Grab hold of the vision. Speak to the bones. 30 years ago, there was a woman in this church who had had five miscarriages. The baby that she was carrying in eight weeks into her pregnancy, this was now going to be her sixth miscarriage. The baby died in the womb. 
no movement, no life, nothing. The doctor said it's dead and she got around my mom and other prayer warriors in this church and they begin to pray and speak life to the dead, dry baby in the womb. They begin to pray and declare and prophesy, this baby is gonna live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. This baby has a calling on his life. Lord, you're gonna use this baby to do great things. Three weeks went by and nothing changed. The doctor said, we're going to do a C-section and take this dead baby out of your womb. As they were getting ready to do it, the baby started kicking, started breathing again. Life came back into that baby. Today, that baby is one of my best friends, Daniel Mao, who plays guitar on this stage. And now he's got a baby and he's declaring the works of the Lord. Speak to the bones, church. Speak to the bones. Speak to the bones. There was a girl at age 16 who got into some sin and she got pregnant out of wedlock and she had big dreams for her life. She had been in a, a family that was very impoverished. They lived on welfare and she, she knew all her life. She goes, I'm not going to be like this. I'm going to be a businesswoman. I'm going to do great things. I'm getting out of poverty. I'm getting out of welfare. I'm not going to be like that. But when she had this baby at age 16, she had to give up those dreams she got on welfare and she moved into a tiny apartment to take care of her little boy. She thought it was all over. This is the end for her. She knew this was going to be her life. She was going to repeat the cycle of poverty that she had grown up in. She found a job at a local cafeteria where she would punch meal tickets for boys and girls that would come through that school. She started thinking and going to church. Maybe God's not finished with me yet. So she went back to get her GED and she completed high school. That was huge for her. She had to go through two years at age 23. She had to learn and, and, and study again to get that GED. Then she decided, I'm not stopping there. I'm going to college. She went to college as she was raising her son. She would work during the day and do classes at night. As she was raising this child, she went to college. She got her bachelor's degree. She said, I'm not stopping here. She went on to get her master's degree. Today, she is the principal of the cafeteria school that she was punching meal tickets for. She said, I used to be on welfare, but now I'm doing pretty well and pretty fair. See, don't let the current conditions determine where your future is headed. Don't let the valley talk you out of your dreams. Don't let the dead, dry bones do all the talking. God says, you speak back to the dry bones. You speak back to the problems. Don't see what's wrong with your present. See what's right that's happening in your future. Speak life. And so Ezekiel did exactly as God said. Verse 7, he said, as I spoke, suddenly there was a rattling noise all across the valley. I want you to get your pins out and start tapping the chair seat in front of you. Make a rattle noise this morning. As I spoke, I heard a rattle in the valley. I heard a rattle. The bones started shaking. They started being magnetically drawn back together structure started coming into place. The bones started standing up. Muscles started being formed on the bones. Skin started attaching itself to the bones. I hear a rattle in the valley this morning. I hear a rattle in the valley, a 
of America this morning. I hear a rattle in the valley of dead marriages this morning. I hear a rattle in the valley of dead kids this morning. I hear a rattle in the valley of prodigal sons this morning. I hear a rattle in the valley of barren wombs this morning. God is breathing life back into singles this morning, back into couples this morning. I hear the sound of revival. But watch what happens. He says it all was coming back together again, but still they had no breath in them. What do you do when you see a miracle, but it's not complete yet? It's halfway there. The cancer left, but now it's back again. Things changed in your marriage, but now it's changed back for the worse. Finances were going up. It looked good, but all of a sudden something happened. It threw everything off. And so Ezekiel stands and he looks and he sees dead people everywhere. He says, I used to see bones and now I just see dead people. No life in them. But God, you know the potential that's still in the valley. God's not finished yet. If the miracle is not complete yet, then God's not finished yet. You say, well, when's it going to happen? I'm telling you, just wait. Just wait. Though it tarries, the vision will come to pass. Wait for it. Wait for it. Every prophetic book in the Bible is about waiting for the vision to come to pass. Philippians 1.6 says, he who started this work in you will be faithful to complete it. Wait for it. God's going to bring it back together. How often do we stop right here and say, I'm done. I've tried. I've prayed. I've given it all I've got. Things were looking good. Momentum was building. And then I was shattered again. But God says, no, 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 no. I'm not done yet. I want you to speak the breath of God into these dead bodies. He said to me, speak to the winds and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. This was the breath that caused Adam to be formed out of dust. This was the breath in Hebrew called Ruach. It is the very creative force that, that brought the universe into being, that brought the stars and the sun and the moon and the animals and the land and the oceans. This was not just any kind of breath. This was God's spirit. This was like the wind that blew on the day of Pentecost. This was the Holy Spirit coming back into people. See, we are hopeless without the Holy Spirit. We are hopeless without the Holy Spirit. No matter how united we get, if we don't get the Spirit of God in us, we are just dead bodies. But when the Spirit of God breathes on Tulsa, Oklahoma, when the Spirit of God breathes on Victory Christian Center, when the Spirit of God breathes on your business, all of a sudden life starts coming forth. Life starts coming forth. And God, when he looks at the valley, he sees a great army that's rattling up, a great army that's moving up. He sees what, what can happen. And so Ezekiel does exactly what God commanded him to do. And I spoke and wind entered their bodies and they began to breathe again. And they came back to life and they stood up on their feet, a great army of them. Church, I see an army. 
I'm looking at an army today. You know, I get so passionate about this message because this was my dad's last sermon. And he was preaching this sermon over the next generation. Because at the time, things were looking hopeless for a lot of the 18, 19, 20 year olds that were leaving the church, dropping out of the church. And I remember him speaking Ezekiel 37. And I am, I believe, a fulfillment of the prophetic words he was saying over that generation, eight years later, seven years later. You, not just me, you are a prophetic fulfillment. I am looking at the fulfillment of his vision. Young people, old people coming together. A generation not defined by age, but defined by passion. A generation defined by the breath of God that says, I'm going to be part of what God's doing in these last days. I'm not going to die in the valley. I'm not going to say I'm all dried up. I'm all done. They pushed me out to pasture. No, God has a plan for me. God is bringing me into this army. He is using me to be a voice into this people. See, God is talking about structure here. Bones are about structure. You can't stand without your bones. No matter how strong you are, if you don't have structure, you collapse. God is bringing the bones back together because only only a united church can heal a divided nation. Only a united church, young and old, black and white, Hispanic and Asian, Native American and Caucasian. I'm telling you, all of us coming together. God started stirring my heart about a month ago. I went to go preach at a church in our city. They invited me to come preach there. And God said, Paul, I want you to do six weeks where you have a different pastor from, every, uh, from different churches in the city of Tulsa. Come preach at Victory. So in June, we're doing a month called Junity. Junity. We're going to have some unity up in here. We're going to have a different pastor from a different church in our city preach on Wednesday nights right here. We're going to have Willie George this Wednesday night from Church on the Move. Gospel Bill's coming in. We're going to have Bill Shear from Guts Church. We're going to have Mike Todd from Transfer from North Tulsa. We're about to get united. Some say that's kind of scary, Paul. I mean, having all these pastors in here, what happens if people leave? You know what? We're united. We're united. We're all on the same team. And you know what I get excited about? When we start getting united together in this house and then with other churches, there's no telling what we can do together. See, when the army got together, God was forming them for such a time as this, there is power in unity. There is power in numbers. There is strength in numbers. We have to get united. You can't fight the battle for your marriage all by yourself. You need to get in agreement with a person of faith in this room. You can't fight the battle for your kid all by yourself. The Bible tells me that networking started back in their days. Not, well, not in this nation. Networking started back then when the disciples were praying together, encouraging each other, lifting each other up. When Karen and Bruce Mouse started started praying for that dead baby in the belly. They got together with other people and they were speaking life over it. That's why when you come to church, you're getting united with people of faith. Don't despise the, the hour and a half that you spend once a week right here at Victory. Stir it up this year. Stir it up this year. Get around people of faith. Get in the word of God. Listen to what God is doing and watch verse 11. God said to Ezekiel, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. And they're saying we've become old. We've become dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. How many times has this been said even about America? Our nation is finished. But God's not finished with our nation. God's not finished with your business, with your marriage, 
you as a single. God's not finished with your health. He's not finished with your dreams. I wonder what's dead and dry in your life that needs to be spoken to this morning. A rattle in the valley. God said, give them this message from the Lord. Oh, my people, I will open your graves of exile and I will cause you to rise again. Somebody say, it's in my bones. Come on, somebody. I'm gonna cause you to come back to life and back to the land of Israel. God won't leave you in a, in a scattered state. He's bringing the Jews. He was bringing the Jews all back together. They were in all different types of places. This is happening at Victory, by the way. People that were at one time here that left are coming back. Because there's about to be a revival in this church. Some of you are watching online. You've been waiting to come back. It's time to come home. It's time to come home. You know it. You know it. This is your family. I believe God's bringing prodigal sons and daughters and husbands and wives and grandparents and singles. He keep bringing all these people back because he's got something special for this city. And he wants you to be part of it. He wants you to walk by faith with vision, speaking vision. God says, I'm bringing them all back. And when this happens, my people will know that I am the Lord, their God. And I will put my spirit in you, victory. And you will live and return home to your own land. You will know that I am the Lord. You will see that I have done everything as I promised. If I said it, I will do it. And the Lord has spoken. See, if God said it, he's going to do it. If he said it, he's going to do it. Church, whatever God says, he's going to do. He's going to do it. Gosh, there's so much more that I want to say here. Here's the point. There's nothing in your life that's too far gone. There's no Lazarus that Jesus can't bring back to life. There's no Lazarus that, that, that's, that's too far off. God wants to bring life back into you, into the hopeless situations that you're facing. Can I, can I just go a little bit longer and then I'll dismiss you at the right time? One of my favorite stories that I've read outside of the Bible, I read it right after my father passed and, and it was a, a tough season in my life and maybe the book impacted me even more because of the season that I was reading it in. But it was by a guy named Jim Simbala, and he was writing his biography, his story, bibliography, he was writing how in 1971, he was called to pastor this church in Brooklyn, New York. This church at one time had gotten up to three to 4,000 people. But when he stepped in to be the pastor, it had already dwindled down to 30 people. 30 people. He walked in there and everything was dry. It was dead. He said, this, this was so dead, I, 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 I couldn't even handle it. He said, every time I got up to preach, one more person left. I was shrinking the church down to nobody. He said, my wife, Carol, she was trying to sing, but nobody would sing with her. It was just dead and dry. Nobody would stand. There was just no life in the church. One Wednesday night, I was getting up to preach. There was 20 people in the room. He said, when I got up on the stage, I was so overwhelmed with discouragement. I collapsed on the floor. And he said, I just prayed. Spirit of God, 
breathe life into this dry place. Breathe life into these dry bones. He said that night I never even ended up preaching a sermon. I just sat on the stage and I wept. He said, surprisingly, nobody left that night. They just watched out of pity the pastor weeping on the stage. He said, we just dismissed after I cried as much as I could cry. But he said, at the end, I said, if anybody wants to come and join me for a prayer meeting here. See, instead of throwing a pity party, he threw a prayer meeting. He said, come join me tomorrow night. So on Thursday night, about 25 people came. They started praying. His wife, Carol, started writing some songs. Each week, this prayer meeting was growing. What, what happened in the prayer meeting would overflow on Sunday morning. And each Thursday, as they were having powerful encounters with God in prayer on Thursday, they would have even more powerful encounters with God on Sunday. The church started growing. Today, that church is Brooklyn Tabernacle. 16,000 people every Sunday packed into this beautiful congregation. They've won six Grammy Awards. The Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir has been featured on movies, on TV shows. They've performed on secular channels. They've performed in front of presidents. Because one man in the middle of a hopeless situation rose up with an Ezekiel 37 vision and said, this is not the end for this place. This is not how it's going to end. These dry bones are coming back to life. The spirit of God is in. I want you to stand up on your feet all over this place.